0: Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney mitri and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we'll continue our Sustainable Leaders series, and we'll have a talk story with Noelle Morin the leader of Hawaii Electric Vehicle Association and the Big Island EV Association. He, um, I'm gonna go into his bio shortly, but we are going to be discussing and learning about electric vehicles from the basics up to the latest and greatest, and also discussing our carbon footprint around transportation and how we as a state can improve. So without further ado, aloha Noel.
1: Aloha, Christina. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. And before we begin, a little bit on Noel. He is a Silicon Valley product management veteran. He is a small business owner, a climate action advocate, and supporter of sustainable transportation and renewable energy. He is on the board of several organizations focused on climate action, sustainability, and resiliency. He leads the Hawaii electric vehicle association and also the Big Island EV Association. Noel has driven an electric vehicle since 2011 and he powers his home and cars with solar and he resides in Hilo and I've been meeting and um, connecting with a lot of people from the Big Island lately and so he is one of them and so welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Pleasure to be here, Christina.
0: So. Background, let's start with that. I see that you've mentioned Silicon Valley, so I'm assuming you're born and raised in Hawaii, or are you?
1: No, no, born and raised in Guam.
0: Oh, wow, okay. Yeah.
1: So
0: maybe let's backtrack a little and go t- through, um, I guess, how you got, I'm assuming you were to Silicon Valley and then came here?
1: Yeah, yeah, so um, born and raised in Guam, uh, You know, lived in, in the Philippines, lived in Germany, Eventually settled down in uh, the San Jose uh, uh, area in California.
0: Well, that's and, where my husband's family is from.
1: Cool. Ah, <laughs> connections. Yeah, and I worked. Uh, I worked for uh, uh, Johnson, Johnson and Johnson, uh, and also worked for uh, eBay. eBay for a while. Uh, back in 2004, I had the opportunity to. Uh, well, I, I I thought I was leaving the company. I decided my wife and I decided to move here and focus on real estate and uh, then had the opportunity, actually the honor, to continue working for eBay. So I worked for eBay until uh, about three years or so ago. Uh, so that, that was my, my, my journey through uh, Silicon Valley. And there I, I essentially worked with a technology group. We worked on uh, technology systems for our customer care organization globally. So I, uh, from here, I managed a, a global team of um, uh, individuals who worked on our, uh, our customer care systems.
0: So getting to Hawaii and then um, moving from eBay to this sustainable world, I always like to ask, what brought you into the sustainable world? Um, It's usually something that drove that passion. So I always like to hear everybody's story.
1: Yeah, so I, I uh, my wife and I were really, uh, even when we were living in the Bay Area, we were looking into, you know, finding ways to get solar on our roof. And back then, many years ago, uh, it was very uh, unaffordable. When we got here, realized that uh, there was the opportunity to do just that, get solar panels on the roof, and at some point um, also explore electric cars. Uh, essentially, our, our opportunity to reduce our dependence on fossil fuel energy and um, make a difference. Uh, so, um, you know, back in well many many years ago now, uh, got the opportunity to start to understand the climate crisis and our contribution to that uh, problem, and made a made a decision that you know we we need to start living uh, as an example, start uh, demonstrating, um, essentially you know, uh, walking the talk, um, actually doing and demonstrating to others that you know this can be done. So uh, it was a, a slow transition into this, but my, uh, you know, as I look more and more into what was happening with with the planet, it made it very clear to me that, uh, it became very clear to me that, you know, we, we have to do something. And uh, I believe everybody, every individual has the opportunity to make a difference. Um, eventually got involved in all these different organizations because I realized that, you know, there, there's an opportunity to mobilize our community and get more and more people aware uh, uh, and, uh, actually to take action so Mm -hmm. that's you know my it's been a it's been a slow transition into it but uh you know i i I find that everywhere i turn there there's evidence of the need for action and um and i do what i can to you know facilitate that action
0: awesome so from from where you're at on the big island we um here on oahu you know it's more of I would say like an urban core and transportation and everything seems a little closer together or walkability and things like that Mm -hmm. so I I definitely want to ask and maybe soon ask about how it is on the big island with um, transportation and things like that but before we dive into that um, I wanted to since our focus is electric vehicles, I wanted to start with maybe the electric vehicle side of things and how you got into that area. Because I know there's a lot that you can do in renewable energy and helping uh, your carbon footprint and um, being, you know, taking action. But what led you to electric vehicles and, um, and what that means on the Big Island?
1: Yeah, um, you know, as an early adopter for technology, uh, when the Nissan LEAF came out, well, you know, the Tesla came out with the the Roadster, it was really out of, you know, out of reach and uh, very limited. Uh, When uh, Nissan came out with the Nissan LEAF back in 2011, uh, this was an opportunity for us. Uh, There was a a state incentive as well as a federal uh, tax credit that allowed it to be very similar to the cost of a Prius. So we decided, okay, let's let's get rid of our gas car and, and um, you know jump in and hop into uh, a, a Nissan Leaf, and it served us very well. We uh, you know we were able to use it here on the east side. Um, may, you know my wife was taking my kid uh, to our kid to uh, volcano uh, twice a day for uh, preschool for a couple of years, and it worked perfectly for us. So um, that uh, we were early adopters. So there were a handful of other Nissan Leaf owners here on the island. And we decided to put together a, a small um, hui, uh, uh, initially designed to allow each other to help, you know, help each other uh, figure out charging and, you know, sharing tips on how to use the car, how to extend range. And eventually we realized, wait a minute, there, there's an opportunity for us to not only help each other, but actually get more people involved, get more people behind the wheel. If, if we're to do that, then we're going to start to see a demand for, uh, more, you know, for more of these EVs and also public charging. So it's it's almost like as you create a, a growing massive demand for a certain product, then you'll start to see a response from, you know, private sector, from government. And, um, and importantly, it was really important for us to uh, ensure that if people were curious about the electric cars, they were on the fence, uh, that they got the answers quickly so that they can make the decision as well to move forward. So, eventually, we formed uh, Big Island Electric Vehicle Association. And uh, our uh, mode of operation uh, was to get these regular meetups where we would advertise to the public. We'd say, hey, you know, we're getting together at this coffee shop. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about electric cars, find us there, right? So- the I, th- EV- I thought
0: you were gonna be like a motorcycle gang and you guys all <laughs> up <and> leave. <laughs> My husband had one, um, but he had one of the first ones, I think. And so I remember when he moved to um, a place where, cause we moved to where they didn't have charging cause he was originally yeah. in house it became problematic for yes. our situation and it actually became very nerve-wracking to always like because back then I think because of the cells and the battery there was only up to like 80 miles at 80. one point on that yeah. that leaf and you start getting like nervous you know when you got to go over the pulley <laughs> you know you had to go yeah. to like white Wy- uh, Manalo or something you're just like Oh my goodness, I don't know if we're gonna make it. Yeah, and and yeah. it starts giving an anxiety, but now it's a
1: different story. But anyway, it is, it is. It is a different story now. Yeah, we exactly it's the same leaf that we got. So about 80, 90 miles. And um, and it served us well. In fact, um, my uh, mother-in-law who lives like you know a few a quarter mile from us, she has the car now and it's got, I don't know, 80,000 miles on it, same brake pads. It give you know provides her with the transportation she needs. So it's still you know very usable. Um, but but we, uh, we essentially put that club together as a way to um, increase uh, awareness of electric cars and get more people behind the wheel. And every year we would host these big events, uh, part of a national celebration. And then we tried to, before the pandemic, we tried to do these monthly uh, coffee and EV meetups. And we tried to do this around the island, you know, not just in Hilo. So um, we would have the opportunity to connect with different communities as, a, as part of, a, of the, uh, the strategy. Uh, so so that's been uh, the journey with Big Island EV. And uh, a couple of years back now, we decided um, because there are all these different things happening on the other uh, islands, right? So uh, in Oahu, there's Tesla Hawaii Club, uh, Kauai EV, and there used to be this Maui EV um, uh, club as well. We said, let's join forces. So instead of trying to create all these different systems within each island, why don't we join and then share resources? You know, if we, if we have, we can have a social media um, you know, um, presence, a website, um, share information, uh, you know, create um, a marketing campaign and share it across the different counties. And then importantly, allow for uh, policy advocacy. So there are like 18,000, I think now, 18,000 uh, uh, registered EVs in the state. And uh, even if we just got a fraction of the owners to get behind policy, you know, we would have a very loud voice, right? And we can do things like improve public charging, create incentives for you know uh, low-income uh, you know households, uh, et cetera. Um, so we formed Hawaii EV, uh, you know, as a result of that that realization that we can benefit from um, this this collaboration. Uh, Big Island EV used to be the the Ch- Hawaii chapter of the Electric Auto Association. It's now called the Electric Vehicle Association. This is a, um, an, an organization that was founded in California back in the 60s, like 67, and they have national you know—national presence. So Big Allen EV was the original uh, chapter and now Hawaii EV is the chapter. So we will work together with this national organization uh, to help get the word out.
0: Awesome. So. Now that we have a better understanding of how that works and how, in a sense, you, you're you pretty much one of the founders of this whole thing, huh?
1: Well, yes, one of, one of the early adopters and uh, founders for Big Island EV.
0: That's cool. Um, let's see. I'm going through my notes here because there's a lot of cool things we could talk about. Uh, but let's dive into... For those that are relatively new to maybe this green space here in Hawaii, um, we are working towards a clean energy by 2045. And um, with that mindset, a big percentage of our energy usage with fossil fuels, um, what is it, almost 30%, is transportation, right? Um, And that's why I'm sure that it's, a, it's a, something that you're looking at uh, tackling. So with that said, um, I wanted to go into, I know the state is doing a lot and they're doing a lot with their transportation systems and their you know, buses going into EV and, and their fleets and stuff like that. And, and there are movements along that with the um, Hawaii State climate commission and things like that. There's there's a lot of things around there. There's also other nonprofits that are really pushing towards things with like Blue Planet, right? And then also mm-hmm. um, Ulupono Initiative. So I know that there's a lot um, in that sector and a lot here on Oahu. Um, moving into this EV section, I guess I wanted to talk about some of the things that are a little bit more practical to people who maybe are driving gas cars or they have numerous gas cars or numerous cars in general and um, things that people can think about doing tomorrow, right, or today, uh, whether they have an EV car or not. So some of these things that would be great for us to tackle would be what can we do to be more efficient with our gas cars Today, like I don't yeah. know maybe the top yeah. 10 tips or some kind of things that you would <laughs> like to share. So, even though maybe we're not even on the fence of like moving to an electric vehicle at the moment, what can everybody do?
1: Yeah,
0: whether they have an EV car or not, that would be helpful.
1: Yeah, Christina, you, you this is a very important point that you've raised here. And, um, you know, I'll start off by saying that uh, even with even beyond transportation. There's so many things that we can do to reduce our energy consumption and energy being, you know, electricity as well as um, as, is fuels like gas. Um, So anything we can do to reduce our consumption is going to be good for the pocketbook. It'll also be good for the planet, right? You're able to reduce uh, our dependence on fossil fuels and reduce emissions. So um, the things we do at home to, you know, as simple, some as simple as turning off the lights, you know, uh, making sure you have power strips that go off when you, you know, uh, so you can actually turn, to, uh, uh, address this thing called phantom drain, you know, uh, electronics that are
0: Actually, still- Hawaii Energy is offering something for like $15 right now that you can buy if you go on their website and it oh, has good. those power strips and it's like a whole kit.
1: Yeah. 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 So, so, can- so just, just doing that, doing things like that, um, you know, they're very simple, but they all add up and the, the same thing ha- is, is relevant for vehicles with vehicles. It's actually even more interesting because there's so many things that we take for granted that if we didn't take for granted, we can actually save on, uh, on fuel. Um, so, and if we do that, we save money. You know, we also reduce our you know carbon um, carbon carbon footprint, right? Reduce our consumption of fossil fuels. So, um, you know, things that are really basic, including maintenance. You know, making sure the car is well maintained, making sure that tires are, are are you know properly inflated. Get get a tire gauge. Make sure your tires are you know are um, uh, at the uh, psi's that they need to be. Um, you can lose a lot of uh, fuel efficiency if your tires are not properly inflated. Um, driving style, you know, if you you just chill out while you're driving versus driving like, you know, with a lead foot, that'll save a lot of uh, electricity. And it, it also applies if you're driving an electric car, you know, you use a lot more energy when you drive aggressively. Um, the other thing that we um, sometimes take for granted is have, having you know, unneeded baggage in the car, right? Um, things that add to the weight of the vehicle that don't have to be there. So maybe a trunk is full of, of junk, or there's a lot of stuff in the back seat.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> and, me. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs>
1: And, and, you know, when you add the weight, when you add weight to a vehicle, you you naturally will require a bit more um, energy to propel the vehicle. So reducing unneeded weight is another thing. And then something as basic as just planning your trips. You know, if you can make one trip a week versus, you know, multiple trips a week by uh, planning. Uh, you know your errands for example then you're naturally reducing your need to use the car and re- you're reducing your fossil fuel um, you know requirements. so these are just some of the things that that come to mind uh, they're really elementary but they're so easy to take for granted because you know it's like oh I've got on uh, my, my tool chest in the trunk I you know it's it's you know be a, it's, it's gonna be a hassle to take it out uh, you know things like that but when you do that, and, and you you know take into account the energy that you save through through the year it could be significant. So these are things that I think that anybody can do um, uh, to reduce their you know increase the efficiency of their transportation and reduce the amount of um, transportation dollars and emissions that they you know that they emit.
0: So for those of you that can take on these little tips, maybe try one of them a month and see I mean, I don't know if you were to do maybe all of these things you might see, like you could probably track it and notice a difference. I mean, if you just do one of them, maybe not so much, but if you were to probably do all of these things and just go at it for a month, you might actually see a difference on how many miles you get per gallon. I
1: mean, yeah. that's
0: true, right? or how, um, how much,
1: how much you, 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 you pay for gas, yes. you know, just track yeah. how much, how much money, how many dollars you're spending each month on gas. Well, that just Ukraine. keeps
0: going up with this uh, Ukraine. <laughs> uh-huh. True, true. Hard to follow that one. Um, <laughs> but so now that we've kind of tackled, okay, you might not plan on getting the EV anytime soon. Cause I mean the percentage of EV cars to regular cars is it's like what? Like we're like is it less, less one percent? This yes, it's like, less than,
1: yeah, it's like one point eight percent for the state. We're over there are over a million cars, um registered vehicles and um About 18,000 of those cars are electric.
0: Yeah, so So, it's not a lot. And, um, you know, so realistically, we're not looking at everybody moving over to an EV car tomorrow. Um, So that's, you know, that is how it is. But here's another thing that we can consider is how can we convince people that they don't need their second car or their third car? Or the fourth car <laughs> yeah yeah right because there's a, a, there's a million cars in hawaii yeah. there's like a million people here so it's like i mean yeah. even per kid right i mean material in that sense is accounted for a, for a car
1: <laughs> yeah so so um it's actually one other question that maybe um can be added to that is you know what can we do or can we do without a car right? Is it possible to, um, you know, live here without actually owning a vehicle? And, and uh, it's actually a very critical, um, uh, you know, discussion point, because when you think about the goal to decarbonize, you know, you know, you got a million cars out there to try and translate, translate that all into, or or transition all of that into electric over, you know, a decade, it's, it's going to be very difficult to do. So, um, one of the things that I think is really important to and this has nothing to do with electric cars is to figure out a way to reduce the need for a car to begin with. Mm-hmm. And in places like Oahu, uh, mass transit, you know micro mobility, uh, you know access to bikes, electric bikes, uh, electric uh, scooters, um, having um, you know transport systems where the first mile getting to the bus the, getting to the bus and the last mile when you get to the bus getting to work or wherever that might be, if we do all of that, we have the opportunity to significantly reduce the need for cars. Um, the other, the other part of this is is shared uh, shared vehicles or shared mobility. And this is where, um, when you think about it, a lot of cars that we have just stay parked for most of the time, right? I know ninety percent of the time or so it's in the garage unless you're like you know uh, uh, like a road warrior. So a lot of the cars are very underutilized. Now, if you had shared mobility, you have a car or cars that in, you know, some form or another are actually being used by multiple individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there's a, you know, there's a version of it where you have a driver like Lyft and Uber, and then there's another version of it where you just have a car that is at a facility and people have the opportunity to borrow it, you know, for an hour or, you know, half a day, et cetera. So, um, things like that allow us to reduce the need for a vehicle. Um, the other situation you referred to is like, you know, certain households have multiple cars. I mean, you know, I think that's, that's a difficult one because there are preferences and they're also different use cases. You know, some, someone might have a truck because they need to go fishing, you know, every now and then, or they need to take stuff to the transfer station, but they have a car, you know, for their, their work. Right. So there, there, there's a, At the end of the day you can have multiple cars in a household but what really matters is how much of it is actually being utilized you know on the road uh, emitting uh, carbon etc and um a more practical matter or consideration would be cost you know to the household if uh, a household you know can't afford to have multiple vehicles but they can figure out a way to make one vehicle work you know that's better for the pocketbook and and I guess in many cases, the, the, the financial um, burden kind of determines you know, whether or not a, a household has multiple vehicles. Well, one thing that I'd, I'd like to highlight is, and it's a very, it's a, it's a, a it's a, I, I guess it's a, something you see here on, or on the islands in general, is that um, there are these trucks that are uh, modified unnecessarily, right? So they're lifted, they've got these huge wheels and tires. And they're super inefficient because you know they're they're high up, so there's a lot of drag. Uh, the wheels and all the modifications add to weight, and uh, and you have these vehicles that are just uber inefficient and also not safe, right? So that would be another thing. I don't know that if that's a if that culture of uh, lifted trucks will eventually change, but um, that's another, <laughs> another Well, thing I was going to my... get
0: into trucks soon because <laughs> I did want to talk about a couple cool cars that have been coming down the pike but before we get into that we can you know finish on these uh cost comparisons and pros and cons because I think overall when people see this picture I wouldn't say that after listening to this podcast you're going to sit here and be like all right I'm going to get rid of my car and I'm going to ride a bike today (laughs) for the rest of eternity I don't know but the people that are on the fence might might Mm -hmm. start thinking about it a little bit more i'm i'm in real estate and you know i was working with a first-time home buyer not that long ago and you know the prices for these are first-time home buyers so you're looking at a one-bedroom studios those kind of you know units um and then it like if you're lucky it comes with a parking stall and um when you have uh you know A couple that they're looking, they probably both have their own cars, right? So Mm -hmm. then finding a place where they can park their second car is the biggest catch at this point. Like, well, where is this other car going to go? And I'm like, you know, to tell them, like, what do you need the other car? It's like they start laughing. I'm like, of course I need the other car. And then I'm like, well, okay, well, then you have to stay in this area if you don't, like, you know, then it's like, well, we, we are looking further out cause it's cheaper cause the prices yeah, have gone up yeah. so high. So then they now have this commute and then having that other car is kind of a necessity for them. Um, and then there's no place to park that other car. And then then you're like, well, you can move back into town and then look at that. But then the prices are high. It's like, it's this catch, right? That they have. And now there's even um, there's properties for sale that are affordable housing and their studios or one bedrooms that do not come with parking. And guess what? They're still on the market and available for people that want them, but because it doesn't come with a parking stall, um, even though there's good transportation um, alternatives, um, they're still sitting on the market. So, you know, there's, there is there is a part of this that I think will start leveling each other out, especially with the alternatives that we're having and the younger demographic. But as of right now, um how are you guys dealing with this i guess question for the big island because you guys have a lot of miles in between everywhere like yeah. how does how that sale must not be an easy one <laughs>
1: yeah well you, you know i i guess one of the um one of the uh, positives is that uh real estate here is still relatively affordable so um you know a lot of people that uh, are able to let's say move into homes in Pune, they are on an acre half acre they've got single family homes, etc, and you know, so parking is not necessarily an issue. But we, we do see this as an issue in town right where you have a, a multi unit dwelling high density and in uh, parking may not may be at a premium. Um, so. So I, 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 I guess the the, uh, the issue that you've described, which is maybe dominant there in, in Honolulu, you kind of see that here as well, but not to the same extent. As far as transportation goes, um, you know it's very difficult to just rely on, on mass transit. Mm-hmm. I think there, um, you know, the mass transit administrator John uh, Ando, there, you know, has been doing a great job in assessing what the needs are. Um, mass transit right now is free for the public. Uh, they're starting on the to Big electric- Island, yes. Oh really they're trying to elect, uh, as a way to incentivize u- utilization uh, there's the uh, effort to electrify the buses. Um, this past weekend we saw one of the electric buses at the at our, at our event. So they're, 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 you know, they, they, they kind of uh, need to come together. as I mentioned earlier, we need to have um, a multitude of solutions mass transit, um, mixed mobility, micro mobility. Uh, need to have, we, we need to have electric cars for people that need cars. And uh, here on the Big Island, you know, you've got uh, long commutes for many, right? They they live in Pune and then they travel over to the resort for, for work, or they're in Kona, they travel over here for you know for work as well. So it's going to be very difficult to rely on on mass transit for for use cases like that at, at least for now. Um, so uh, I think it's it's going to be a situation where you have mixed solutions. And, uh, and if we can come up with a way to um, uh, in, enable uh, the use of electric cars and the, the big barrier right now, by the way, is public charging. So mm-hmm. if you're- I was if you're, gonna get
0: into that too, because- yeah,
1: yeah, so, so if, you, if you live in Pune and you, or you know on the, on the east side, you're traveling over to Kona for work and you're, you're driving an electric car, you may need to plug in, right? To be comfortable uh, coming back and not mm-hmm. be like white knuckling over Saddle <laughs> Road, right? Um, so, so uh, th- that's, that's one of the challenges we're, we're dealing with and there are many different organizations that are looking into how to make this thing happen. Uh, the uh, State Legislature passed the law. Act 75 last year which allows for the county to start enforcing the uh, charging station rule for parking. Could, and, you, could uh, you
0: mention what that is. This is so, a state.
1: This yeah, is state so, law, right? Yeah, so act 75 uh, last session. Uh, essentially allows for, I'm oversimplifying here, allows for the county to to enforce a law that's been on the books for a while. And the law essentially says that if you are providing a a large parking space, a public parking space, you know, you have a building, a a mall or et cetera, and you have over a hundred stalls, for example, you need to provide dedicated parking and charging. Um, However, the way, uh, because there was nothing at the county level to enforce that, the the uh, the implementation of that was very spotty. Some some companies did it, some did not. The other thing that it didn't do, or it resulted in, is because they weren't maintained. A number of these charging stations are just not working.
0: Mm-hmm. So the
1: Act 75 requires the the installation of the parking and charging, as well as the maintenance of the charging stations. Uh, so that's the other just thing,
0: for your county. Do you well, know It's
1: it's where it's, the other it's actually. Counties? It's actually a state law, um, and each county needs to actually implement uh, policy changes in their code to allow for this to be enforced. Now, Hawaii County, Heather, Heather Kimball is a, a council councilwoman. She, she introduced Bill 120, and it's actually going through the process right now, in fact, it's going through the uh, Planning Commission next week. Okay. This bill is going to allow for that law to be enforced here on Hawaii Island. And um, my hope is that once it's done here, it's precedent for the other counties as well. So the other other counties will be, will be able to implement the same thing. So um, I'm not sure how we got to this topic, but uh, with that with that enforcement of the um, of that particular law, we will have the the hope is that we'll have more charging stations, not available. just uh, not just being available, but also being maintained. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're they're actually in working order.
0: So, since we are on the topic of charging stations, I, so I did have, I don't, I don't know if it was an, I think it was an uh, incentive for our island, I don't know on Oahu, I don't know if it was anything past Oahu, but we did have, and it sunsetted, I want to say, in 2019, in June, but it was such An amazing perk to have an ev plug-in car with the life ev license plate that i ended up getting a lease for um actually you were able to get an ev uh, license plate on hybrids if they had a Mm plug-in so at the time i ended up getting one and it was just a lease but uh, my lease was going to come due and that was sunsetting and so The perks are really awesome I mean we could park at the airport for 30 days for free, we could drive in the carpool lane with only one person. Um, We could park at any of the like municipal parking for free at any time without paying the meters and um. That was a huge luxury. And I look back, especially being road like every time you could drive up in places, it was like you could always get parking, not worry about the meter. But um is there anything like that that's gonna come up soon? Because I think that would definitely incentivize people to look at an electric vehicle. Um, I don't I, I don't think do you guys have anything like that on your island?
1: So um the airport parking was a statewide thing. Right. So that that that's been removed. Um, and I, I, I think that maybe early on it was OK with just a handful of cars. But at some point it became on on, uh, you know, couldn't scale. Right. Yeah. It became a problem for people like just, you know, not having parking. And, you know, it, 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 it became an issue and uh, especially in Oahu. And I think that was one of the, ra- the one of the triggers for, um, you know, foregoing that. Uh, but it was certainly a, a benefit that attracted a lot of people to electric cars. The um, the HOV lane access that persists, you know, that continues. I'm sure you know. So, oh, that, it is. That, I not yeah, know that. yeah, that that's still available. And um, as far as parking in like county facilities and state facilities where you have a meter, you know, I'm not really sure because whenever I go to one of these places, you know, I just park and it no one's enforcing them, but. <laughs> I have to look into. I have to look into that. You know, I. Oh, I do I, know.
0: I don't know if it was a. I can't. I don't recall if it was just Oahu or the the that that one that I was. Because um, I remember reading something. I just can't remember yeah. if it was a state. No, it, it
1: it was here as well. It was here oh, as well. Oh, okay. Like um, you know the um, the metered parking, public metered parking. Um, you were exempted if you were an EV owner. I think that was I, I think that was removed. But uh, here on this island, it it doesn't seem to be uh, enforced. At all, (laughs) Um, so so to to answer your question, uh, what other incentives can there be? And uh, in this legislative session, there were attempts to. There is actually an um, an attempt; it's still alive. Uh, Well, it's been it's been changed. There was this bill that was supposed to provide purchase incentives for electric vehicles, but as it went through the process, it now is just limited to electric bikes and mopeds, and um, and that's still going through the process, it's still, I think it's going through conference and I think it's, it's moving along, but, um, moving forward, I think that the, uh, the powerful incentives will be, uh, rebates, you know, uh, to offset the cost, not, not a tax credit, because if you're like in a low income, mm-hmm, moderate it's income, it's not going to help, but if you had a, you know, a rebate, a purchase mm-hmm. rebate that can help offset the cost of the vehicle. So I, I personally feel like for, for the, the transition to clean transportation to be equitable, we need to take a look at the situation with our low and moderate income households, and um, it, you know if we're going to uh, uh, create an incentive, let's make sure that they are able to leverage it, right? Let's not make it a broad incentive where anyone can leverage it because the um, you know high income folks don't need that incentive. The other thing is um, public charging. That's yes. to me. That's key. Like if you yes. live in an apartment, a condo, a rental home where you can't modify, you know, uh, the 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 carport, or there's no way to, mm-hmm. you know, plug in, uh, you're going to need to rely on public charging. And if you don't have that public charging access, you're not going to be um, incentivized to uh, drive an electric car. You might want to consider a plug-in hybrid, like you mentioned, right? Where you have the ability to plug in, it's 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 very efficient. But if you you know don't have access to electricity, you you, you gas up. Um, certainly not the ideal situation. But in some cases, that might be you know that might be a workable um, you know, or or the only solution. So um, so we we have a big job in front of us, which is to make uh, public charging and not just any public charging, fast charging. It has to be fast uh, available across the state, so that. If someone wants to buy an electric car, just like today, you know, you buy a gas car, you don't think twice about where do I get my my fuel. There's a gas station for it, right? So um, I think we need to get to that point where it's it's available. Many 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 people here have home charging, which is very convenient, but many many more are going to rely on public charging.
0: Yeah. And, so um, with the yeah. with the with the public charging, I guess I wanted to chat a little bit more about that for people i mean this was a little while ago now when i had my plug-in i was fortunate enough to have gas so you know i would always like look for a stall and it was always full and you know if i was driving and my husband happened to be driving too he had the leaf i'm like hey i got a stall come and take it because he needed it i did it right so i just ended up there was very little opportunity for me to even plug in. Um, So I have been um, around, I was just recently in San Diego and I went to the San Diego Zoo and they had all like, so their parking structures, there's no structure, it's just all outdoors. But then they had a lot of charging stations that were clearly not like connected to buildings or whatnot, but they had um, just covered solar. Um, and I think that was, I'm assuming that that was, um, you know, giving shade to all the cars that were parked underneath it, but also providing um, the charging um, energy for the cars that were, you know, in that, those stall areas. I'm not too sure what the laws are in, in California, but I'm assuming that they probably have that too, where they need to have a certain amount of um Parking stalls. Is it something that needs to be free, or is it is it free, um, or is it like they? Are you
1: referring to? Are you referring to charging public charging? Yeah, yeah, charging. Yeah, and by the way, before I answer that, so going back to the California example, yeah. were, there, were were these like huge carports that have solar on them, or like individual uh, units with a solar canopy on top? Um,
0: I want to say there was a longer stretch of solar panels yeah um but you know what i did take a picture although we're on a podcast but i will show you later
1: <laughs> okay yeah the, the reason i ask is um we recent. so there's a, a local company uh michael um with uh, green Invest. uh he brought over one of the arc evs ev chargers uh, from from the mainland and uh, installed it at the Hawaii Community College. And it's a standalone system. It's not connected to the grid. So you have the solar canopy and it tracks the sun. So it maximizes energy and, uh, and a charging station. So you, you just drive up like any charging station, you plug in and you're able to charge your car. You're essentially charging just off of solar completely. So uh, I just wanted to say that that solution is, is already here, you know, it's, it's, it's here and it, because there's no grid tie in situations where you, you, you don't have the infrastructure, you know, you're at a beach park or like here on, on saddle road.
0: Yeah. Over you guys. Yeah.
1: You just plop that down. Nope. You know, no, uh, infrastructure and you have a charging, you know, charging station. But so how long, that,
0: I mean, does it actually generate enough? Cause I mean, it, the, to, you know, charge cars, it's actually takes up a pretty good yeah, amount of yeah. your, like electricity bill. If you do not have solar, it, it, yeah. adds, I don't know how much it, how much does, do you think it adds to your electric bill if you don't have solar? I mean, if you're charging your car off it every night.
1: Well, that's a good question. I, you know, it, your what is the rate? 30, 35 cents a kilowatt hour or something like that? um and you just take a look at your battery size how much um you know how, how much of your battery pack you're needing to fill up I mean one, one thing I should note is that when we drive an electric car we don't drive it all the way down to zero we usually keep it between 20 and 80 percent charge so when we come home we just plug it in and it's maybe it goes from 70 back to 80 right we rarely charge it all the way to 100 it's not good for the battery so um to answer your question it really depends on how much, much you drive right mm-hmm. and how much of that battery you need to re- replenish with each plug but it's it's you know you multiply your you know your energy rate 35 cents or something like that with uh the size of your battery pack you know it could be a 90 kilowatt uh hour or 100 and that will be the cost to fill it up completely from zero but again you never do it from zero it's usually you know 60 percent 50 percent and then you bring it back up to 80 percent um, uh, as far as that, that uh, charging system is concerned, um, you know, you can't just plug one car after another. Uh, it's, it's got a limited battery pack. So the battery pack will will determine and also the cloud cover, right? If you had <laughs> rainy days for a while, it's not, it's not gonna be, there's not gonna be enough energy there. So I, I think it really depends on the uh, location of the, of the charger and also the utilization. Now you, you mentioned something really important and that's ch- uh, charging for charging, right? Uh, does it, is it free? Must it be free? Uh, early on, um, all, some of these site owners would install these charging stations, and they would be free. You know, it's an incentive for their customers to come in and plug in. But um, I'm of the belief that when you do that, you you quickly diminish the value of the energy and the and the service, right? Um, it, it's because it's not free. Someone is paying for that that energy. Uh, Additionally, you want, you need the revenue to sustain the operation. You need to be able to pay for the electricity as a yes. site owner, you need to be able to pay for the maintenance of the equipment. So um, the uh, recommendation we always give is when you install these charging stations, make sure that you have the ability to collect, right? So it's a network charging stations and you have the, um, the, the ability to charge customers. Otherwise you have a situation where people just plug in and leave the car and then come back You know, the next day, right? And what happens? But they're plugged every...
0: in and they're at full charge and they're not leaving.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's a uh, it becomes a it creates a problem um, where you, you you no longer have the ability to to throttle the the demand for the for the service. So
0: we've had Volta. I don't know. Are they still in business?
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the concept I know came from the mainland, but because of our laws with billboards and not not being allowed. I'm thinking that's a state thing, or is that Oahu, I'm not too sure. Like that was an issue with Volta, where they can have that sign up and people can pay that electricity bill um, because they're advertising their business. So they're really paying a marketing advertisement fee to be on that screen. Mm-hmm. And then that actual marketing fee ends up paying the electricity bill for that station, and it works really well in places that are not accessible viewplate from the street, right? Because mm-hmm. because the billboard laws, I guess we're not allowed to just have billboards with marketing ads like they do in California. That's pretty common across the country. Um, so you could only do it in certain areas and wall areas that are like hidden. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: But then again, that's not what people want either, right? Because you want to be visible.
1: (laughs) Well, are they they doing that currently in Oahu? Yes, they have
0: it. And it's been there from the get-go. I mean, in certain places like Howard Hughes, for example, in Ward Village, that was one of the number one like locations that you always have free parking you know for for plugins except it's like a low charge so it was it would take a long time to charge and then people would just never leave their spot and you would see like like my plug it's like it locks it so it's like if you're if your plug is yeah. in there like nobody can just pull it out and plug their car into the car yeah. next, you know parking stall next door although other ones you could um but for the lot of people, they would just be plugged in and then like they wouldn't ever leave. <laughs> so yeah, then nobody yeah. could use it. So I see what you're seeing. There's a lot of these kind of catches that um, play into, you know, kind of hurdles that we face and um, finding these solutions so uh, more people can find it beneficial to have an mm-hmm. unique car um, are all things that it's awesome to see you guys working towards. Um, who do people go through when looking to install like a charging station? Like I was just at the Bishop museum two days ago and I didn't have the opportunity to go talk to them but they're installing a station (laughs) Mm -hmm. As as I was like leaving. And I was like, oh, that's cool. There's, you know, they're gonna have two EV stations right there, charging stations. But is there just like a ton of different companies that. Yeah, um, there so- are,
1: there are a number of companies, um, you know, for, for home charging, uh, just any regular electric electrical contractor, um, should be very familiar with, you know, just installing the, uh, the circuit and installing the device, but for the public charging, there are companies yeah. like Aloha charge and, and ever charge. Um, I'm sure there may be more, but they, uh, they are, uh, you know, they are very familiar with the equipment, um, uh, and also, the work, work with local contractors to get the equipment installed. So it, it's you know it's it's an electrical device. Uh, if you have uh, infrastructure that needs to be brought to the site, you know, like trenching from the building across the parking lot to where you need to where you need the charging, it's you know it's it's almost like a standard type of work that um, uh, contractors would be able to deal with, and mm-hmm. um, obviously that creates, there's a lot of cost considerations as well, if you're going to be retrofitting, which is why with a number of the uh, attempts, uh, I think Bill 25 with Honolulu, the, the um, um, EV charger make ready, um, uh, you know, guidance so that if you're building a new facility, put in the infrastructure, put the conduit before you put the pavement, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, these are these are efforts to try to make it uh, future proof to future proof the uh, project so that you can easily install infrastructure when the time comes
0: yeah I mean with Howard Hughes that's another thing as well right so um, I had a had clients that were closing on uh, Lee, which is a really new building recently and you know they get a call during during their contract terms before the building's built. And they're like, oh, would you like an EV setup at your stall, yeah. right? Like, you know, because oh, wow. you know exactly where your parking stall is going to be. And then if you want to pay for that additional setup, whether you have an EV car or not, that that one stall that goes at that specific unit will have the um, that, that setup, right? The
1: conduit, yeah. And
0: it costs, I think it was twelve dollars to $14,000 for that owner to install that. But then it would also be tied into your electricity bill, mm-hmm. right? And work directly with that unit. So that, those people that decided to do that for their unit, um, they will have a much higher, like a value added to their property because of that. Um, but all of these other units, it's like a lot of people obviously declined it or didn't do it
1: yeah yeah Um, but
0: it it is now becoming something that's offered in some buildings which is kind of cool yeah
1: no that 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 is like future proofing is so cheap doing doing it right the first time i mean that fourteen thousand
0: dollars seems pretty pricey yeah don't have an ev car yet
1: (laughs) but 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 if you if you if you if you put that into the, the the mortgage amount it's like a minuscule impact right to the monthly payment right so um, and, and then, to your point, it becomes a more valuable property because at some point in the future, it's not going to—it's going to be very difficult to find a gas car. You're going to need an electric car, right? Mm-hmm. Manufacturers have already started to say, "Oh, by such and such date, we're no longer going to start, uh, stop, uh, you know, make uh, gas cars, right?" So at some point, electric cars are going to be the way to uh, of, of transport. And these folks who have invested, you know, let's say that fourteen thousand to get that parking uh, stall charger ready they're going to have a much more valuable property as you, as you describe.
0: Yeah. So it is cool to see that things are, you know, coming down the pike. Um, and um, with that said, I know we're getting close to an hour and we've,
1: it's I been feel an like an Look at all these
0: extra pages I still have. Um, <laughs> it's been 50 minutes already. Oh my goodness. Okay, wow. Before, Time flies when you're having fun. I know before Let's say we have another 10 or 15 minutes here. But um, I did want to get into uh, hydrogen, hydrogen cars, and before that, geothermal hydrogen. Um, Because I know that we're talking about EV, but the real solution is finding renewable energy. Different sources that here in Hawaii that we can really change things to to a sustainable measure. I mean, we're importing everything as we speak. And if we can use the natural resources that we have here in Hawaii, um, it eliminates so much more. So, I mean, we obviously use the solar and we use the wind that, you know, is blessed upon our islands every day. Um, But why are we not using geothermal and could you explain geothermal and how that ties into i guess hydrogen because hydrogen is an alternative uh way of there's hydrogen cars right so
1: maybe um
0: start with geothermal and then hopefully we have enough time to get into (laughs) yeah this
1: you know this this whole topic is like another session completely um but um you know i I can provide some some guidance i might have to have you
0: back for more <laughs> even, more of a dive deep on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so like you said, we ha- we are blessed with sunshine, with wind, with you know, water for hydro. We've got um ocean energy. There's so many, we have so many natural resources here, uh, the and the opportunity to generate energy. Um the uh the other thing that we have, which is um, I won't say like rare, but is very unusual, uh f- at least f- for this part of the globe, is we sit on a hot spot. Right. So there's a lot of heat that's relatively close to the surface that we the the whole state sits on top and um, this energy, if we are able to leverage it, is going to be available for like millennia, you know, for millions of years. So the challenge is going to be getting access to that heat so that you can actually uh, you can actually generate electricity. And we see an example of that in Lower Pune, and it's been very controversial because of its location. Uh, and you know, the proximity to, you know, to residential uh, properties, et cetera. But uh, if you look around the globe and you see what's happening in New Zealand and the Philippines, and you know, many of these locations, California has, you know, uh, I think, one of the biggest geothermal um, uh, power generation plants. Um, there's, it's a relatively smaller footprint compared to solar and wind, right? You have a, a smaller footprint because all you need is you know, wells that go deep in into the ground uh, where the heat is at, you need access to water in, with with some of these uh, geothermal plants, and uh, you're, uh, once you have access to the heat, you're able to use that to, uh, uh, you know, uh, generate steam of some form or some a, a gas of some form that then spins a, a turbine that generates the electricity. So once you get that point, well, once you get to that point, you have this almost infinite access to energy. The challenge is it's difficult. You know, you need a lot of for, for a developer to come from wherever to say, okay, we want to um, provide Hawaii uh, Island or you know the state with geothermal. There's a lot of exploration. There's a lot of you know a lot of um, bureaucracy and uh, process and uh, EIS. You know, a whole bunch of different processes they need to go through. So the but the but the main stumbling block is finding the sources, right? Because we sit on a hotspot, but you can't just drill anywhere. You, you need to be able to drill in, in places where it makes sense, where there's a concentration of heat at the surface, where there's access to water. Now, uh, UH has done a lot of research on this over the past, you know, many years. They've identified multiple locations on the Big Island, not just in Lower Puna. They've even located an, um, a, a place in Lanai, uh, where there's access to geothermal. So. Um, it's, it's essentially a function of the, the research uh, spending, you know, getting the, the, the funds to do the research to identify where the wells are, the, I mean, the, uh, the uh, high potential areas are so that developers can come in and further explore and then you know, eventually get these plants up. They're not cheap, but, um, but once they're there, you've got, again, an infinite supply of energy and you don't have to deal with you know, with solar panels, for example, after 30 years, you need to swap them out. Right. Wind turbines don't last forever. So you, you eventually will have this ongoing replacement and um, you don't see that with, with geothermal. Now, geothermal and hydrogen. Hydrogen, there's a lot of hydrogen being produced right now around the globe, but most of it, like 99% of the hydrogen that's being produced is from fossil fuel, from coal or natural gas. Um, for hydrogen to make sense for the planet, uh, it has to be green. And what that means is it is created using electricity that is produced through renewable energy. Okay. Um, but not just any renewable energy, it has to be cheap. It has to be very affordable, right? Because if, if it's not affordable, your green hydrogen is going to be too expensive. It's not going to be worth it for people to, you know, use it to fuel their vehicles or to, you know, to, for use in planes and, and, and ships, that sort of thing. So it's essentially um, a process that converts electricity to, uh, to hydrogen. It's um, electrolysis, right? That, that uh, uh, a chemi- uh, electrochemical process that generates the hydrogen and it just uses a lot of electricity. Um, so, so hydrogen is, it can be produced if you have access to abundant renewable energy and I should say green hydrogen. And uh, once you have green hydrogen, you can do a number of things. You can compress it and utilize it for transportation, like the Mirai, right? Uh, the, uh, uh, the hydrogen That's car. That's
0: the
1: Toyota. T- Toyota, Toyota Mirai. And, and um, the Toyota Mirai is called a fuel cell electric vehicle. So technically it's an electric vehicle. It's just that mm. you, you put in hydrogen, the hydrogen is converted to electricity, electricity runs the car, right? The other thing that hydrogen can be used for is to create ammonia, which can be used as a fuel. So it can be used in ships, it can be used for um, you know, other uh, uh, transportation systems. Um, you can also use it to create renewable liquid fuels like renewable aviation fuels that can be used in planes. So there, there's a lot that can be done with hydrogen, but for you, for us to be able to make it happen, we need a lot of electricity that's renewable. And that's where geothermal comes in.
0: How many places are there that is currently using geothermal? And I mean, is it not safe or are there, what are the big hangups? I guess, what, what has been a, a hurdle for places that have it? Or is it just, cause I mean, there's certain places like that is a, almost like a hundred percent of their energy,
1: yeah. right? A big, the, a big part they, of their energy. So, so well, there, there, there are concerns about, you know, the, the emissions that come out of it, the hydrogen sulfide gas, you know, that like rotten egg smelling gas that you, you know, if you're down in, in a volcanic area, you'll smell that. Um, so there's a concern with that. And in Lower Pune, it's volcanic, right? You're on a rift zone. So it's not clear if it's a function of the geothermal plant or it is just aggravating it. But that's one concern. The other concern is in some locations, um, there's the concern that it would trigger earthquakes. And I think there, were, um, there was at least one, maybe in Italy that I'm aware of, where that was the concern. So there are things like that, that, um, that people are concerned about. Um, but again, it, they are valid concerns and we need to look at places where they've done it successfully. New technologies, right? A lot of the technology continues to evolve and in fact, in PGV, uh, with the with the latest um, technology, they're able to reduce the number of wells and produce more energy. As an example, yeah. right? So, so um, I, I think there's a lot of potential here for Hawaii, um, and it's not just the Big Island. I mean, imagine if there was the opportunity to produce geothermal in on the other islands, or for Oahu to be able to leverage the energy that's produced here, because we produce so much that. We exceed the demand, local demand, right? Yeah. Now, what do you do? You you transport it as ammonia, and then you use it in power plants in um, in Oahu, or you do undersea cable between uh, the Big Island and Oahu to power you know power the um, power Oahu. I mean, that's where the ma- the most of the energy is being used, right? You've got. Pearl Harbor, you've got, uh, you know, most of the cars are there, you've got most of the population there, you've got the biggest hospital in the Pacific, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of the energy consumption is there. So we need to figure out how to, uh, I mean, that's, to me, that's the challenge for decarbonization is is Oahu. Um, yeah. Big Island can, you know, and the other islands, we can produce the renewable energy that we need, but we need to figure out how to support the rest of the state, including Oahu.
0: Yeah, and I think every island has... Their own uniqueness to contribute to the state, and us getting on the same page and figuring out what those gifts are from each island, and what makes the most sense, um, is is what we should be working towards, um, versus you know being so segregated as you know counties. So um, that's what I'm always hoping for, and I mean. Oahu is a city island and I think all the other islands and our islands would like to keep it that way. Right. So all you guys don't have an influx of what we see here, but there's so much that the big island can offer, not even just on something like geothermal, but just a lot of growth and planting and farming and, yeah, um, you know, there's just a lot of land for that, that we don't have. So um, just like our hui that we have with bamboo, so yeah, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of um, potential for a lot of this this these alternatives that we can look into. I mean, I was even I think I might have mentioned it to you, but even like palm oil um, being grown on the Big Island for you know for fuel as well. I mean, there's just there's a lot that we can look into, but I'm just hoping that something is going to stick. Yeah. <laughs> that we could actually move forward with something and um, that, um, that, that will benefit our, our state so we can be sustainable here. So, especially with energy.
1: <laughs> one, one of the things I will, I will say is, you know, from the time I've been um, involved with sustainability is that there's so much passion across the state. There's so many groups, there's countless nonprofits. There's so many people that wanna make a difference. And um, one of the opportunities I think we have is to figure out a way to know each other so we can collaborate, right? Instead of like three or four different groups trying to do the same thing, learn about what these groups are and then combine forces so that we can actually yeah. magnify our, our impact. So there's a lot there's a lot happening here, which is a very powerful thing. And I think that if we can uh, find a way to co- collaborate more, we can make a bigger difference faster. All
0: right, well, our time, is just about up Um, the two things of the cars that I was wanting to talk about because everybody's been talking about trucks lately was um, the F-150 wait list on that one and the Rivian. So your thoughts real quick because people have been asking about cars, utility cars or trucks um, because gas is just going skyrocket and people are now like looking at this as a serious alternative when they never did before and it's not necessarily because they're green is it's it is their green right their money that they're concerned yeah
1: about. good <laughs> nice pun there um so uh you're right the the uh, Ford F150 Lightning high demand for that car they you know they were their target uh, production is like 200,000 and they essentially stopped Taking reservations because they, you know they 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 got just so much demand, so um, there's there's there is going to be a wait for for those cars to you know eventually land here, in mass, and um, and they've started to you know they've launched it officially right this past week there was the announcement so we're we're soon going to be seeing those car, those trucks, uh, on the road. Uh, the Rivian's been out since late last year and as it um, have you
0: seen one I have not seen one.
1: No, I, I have a friend in Cal, in uh, Utah actually that that received one, and friends in California that have seen it there. So is but... it
0: as cool as they say?
1: It's <laughs> well, it's you know, it's it's almost like it was it was designed for camping, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You and and like just off roading and like going to beach parks, etc. You've got this tunnel where you can put your surfboard. You've got all this camping stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's uh the, the folks that' I've, I've heard from you know they're very um, very amazed by by the vehicle yeah um, so
0: for for people who don't know the Rivian is they have two forms I think they have like an SUV that's seats seven and then there's one that's a truck like but the truck itself has this because it's electric there's extra storage so the, yeah, the biggest yeah. hang up for people with truck with you know not getting a truck is because where do you put everything and you're not going to put it yeah. in the back. Um, but there is this hole in the middle that you yes. can store stuff. But if you've seen the accessory piece to the storage, I don't know if you've seen that part, you can put these um, little units that go in there and they slide in and out. One is like a sink, yep. and yep, one with a you know a, <laughs> one is actually a cooktop, like a convection like cooktop and um they come off really easy and it's all set up with all the kitchen utensils and i'm just like this is so cool (laughs) yeah yeah but it's the first time they've ever created a car so i was more concerned about like is it like legit a good car because they don't they're not known for making cars it's like their first
1: it's it's a new company it's a new company right and um i think amazon and ford actually invested in them quite a bit oh wow uh, I think, I don't know if it's Amazon or Ford, but uh, owns like 17% of the company. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of you know, um, a heavy uh, investment in, into that company. Uh, what's interesting is Ford being an investor and they're also coming up with their own truck, right? So what's that gonna look like? Um, yeah, so it, it remains to be seen. I think we can say the same thing about Tesla, right? Tesla was, it you know, came out of nowhere and now it's you know, producing quite a bit of the electric cars that are being purchased around the globe. So I think the same thing might be seen with with Rivian, but as you've indicated, you know, there's always that risk, right? It's a new company. Um, you know, is it going to be around forever? Hopefully, it's supposed to
0: um, be all American and built in America, right? So, yeah. for those of you who care about that, that's also there too. Um, I I was just looking at some reviews, but some of them are old because I haven't seen like the latest and the newest things about them. So anyhow, it's worth looking into. Um, I thought it was super cool and I would love to, if there's anybody here on island that has one, can you please let me know? I totally would love to do like a whole excerpt on it and come video it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, that would be great. Same with the um, F-150.
0: Yeah. Same, same with those two. So without further ado, we are going to have to jump off. We are way past our hour and I'm going to have to have you come back and we chat some more on some other really cool stuff that you're working on. But can you please share with everybody how they can reach you or the best way to connect with you?
1: Um, I guess the best would, would be uh, through LinkedIn. Um, but oh, shall I share my Email address?
0: <laughs> it's totally up to you, but if yeah. you do want to find him on LinkedIn, um, just look him up. It's N O E L M O R I N. So Noel Morin, and you know you'll be able to find him on LinkedIn through there. Um, he reaches out really quickly. He's really good about that. I know, noticed that when I first met him. So, um, and anything else you want to drop in?
1: No. Well, just one thing. Just a thank you. You know, thank you for what you do. Uh, you know, for this podcast and for the guests that you that have come through. I think it's a very valuable service that you you offer, and uh, you know, important messages that you're getting out. So, thank you, Christina. Um,
0: okay, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. So, I think that wraps everything up. Thank you so much for being here today, and uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can check us out at www.smartlivinghi.org. Um, under podcasts. You could also follow us on Instagram and also on Facebook, like us there. And until next time, live smart. Mahalo, everybody.
1: Take care.